Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Halloween edition. Halloween finally ends. My name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man I'm most interested to talk to today, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello, Tom. You know, you need to find someone who can let go that makes you want to rip off your shirt and show grief your fucking tits and say, you know what? Let's go. (laughs) That is one of several moments in this movie with an odd choice of pushing in the camera that I don't understand. (laughs) And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so glad to see that that broad caricature we talked about with the last couple of movies is now a distant memory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if only. This was also this was also one of a handful of moments where you realize that the filmmakers are starting to believe their own me too hype. Yes. With Jamie Lee Curtis giving the double the double finger surrounded by the uteral imagery of the inside of, of the a inside pumpkin. of a pumpkin, right? Yes. I was like, you know I, what? You know, you know what? You know you know what's better? When you do it by accident. When you do it by accident, right. <laughs> and, you know, is it is is there anything worth bragging about when you're slightly less sexist than Halloween 3 season of The Witch? <laughs> is that even worth mentioning? Right. <laughs> All right, friends. We're here. We're at the end of ends. Uh, we are talking Halloween ends today. It is a twenty. 20- I like how you adapt. I like how you adapted the title to Halloween. Finally, ends. yes. I feel that's like what you would have called it were you making this movie. I would have. Uh, this movie. You, when you hear this podcast, this movie will have been out for one week. Uh, it is right, a twenty. 20- the first time we're yeah. The first time we're talking about right. It. So it's a and we've both seen it twice. Yes, correct. Okay, one in once in the theater and uh, once at home. Yeah, uh, which is unique to this series, I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe some not, other movies I have believe... done it, but no other movie has been as successful as these last two movies in this last, uh, yeah. you know, trilogy. And uh, that choice has already been. A controversial one, I think. I don't think everyone involved with the film is on board with it. No, certainly not for Halloween Kills, but it it the choice I think bears out because I think we mentioned in the last episode that that movie made what 140 million dollars. Mm. This movie on a but has a budget of 20 million dollars. Opening weekend, 40 million dollars already. 57.2 million in the world. Obviously, that is not a uh, static figure. There's like it's gonna keep taking on more money. Definitely. And uh, for whatever it's worth, this movie outpaces Halloween Kills by one percent. 
sitting at 40%. Are you still talking about uh are you still talking about box office or are we now are we into the rotten tomatoes bit now? Right, yes, the rotten tomatoes. That's 40%. Right. I forget sometimes I forget to adjust myself for for the American audience, so. Oh, but you're giving shit to people that uh, don't know the word restroom. I do, restroom. I know. I just <laughs> I just I just realized Got him. Yeah. <laughs> there are no British podcasters in this movie, thankfully. Yeah, right. But we There's... do have we, we got we got what we got a lot of broadcasting. We got plenty of broadcasting. I'll tell you I that. Say. I mean, it's the first thing you hear. Yeah, broadcasting as it never was or is. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> we should just uh give out a blanket st- a blanket statement that obviously spoilers are ahead, everyone. We're yeah. talking about this movie in depth, and so uh, don't listen if you don't want to know. And, you know, luckily enough, nothing happens in the film, so, you, so you're, you're good. So you're fine. Yes. We, we, by the end of the movie, we literally start at zero. Yeah. No, nothing, nothing's, uh, nothing, no, there's nothing to trouble you. Yeah. Uh, by way of spoilers. All right. Now, Tom, how do you want to do this? Do you want to, uh, do you, I mean, I mean, I guess my first mm. question for you is, uh, were you, was your prediction correct? Was our prediction correct for ranking? Do mm. you put this movie behind 2018, but in front of Halloween Kills? And second to last in the whole list. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say... This film threw me for a loop. Me too. Um, I to the point where I actually questioned whether I was watching the right movie. <laughs> there were times when I thought I'd like gone for a piss and then come back to the wrong movie theater. Of course. Um, <laughs> and I heard there... to... not the wrong movie theater, the wrong yeah. the wrong screen. I, I think, I, I, think like... <laughs> I saw this movie at five o'clock on a Thursday. Me too. And me too. Not. It wasn't packed or anything. No. Uh, but but you could hear a lot of general bewilderment, in, yeah. like audible in the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it threw me for, through a loop. So, you know, credit where credit is due. This, the, I did actually wonder at times, is this worse than Halloween Kills? I'd never thought I'd be in that situation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was... I understood this the project of this film even less than I did Halloween Kills. Yeah. So, you know, rattling around my mind is, you know, is this worse? Right. I, I'm more confused. I, so, um, I, we and, had and, the same experience and, then. Uh, but, um, and, and, and you know what? But, it really know, took over two... my mind as I was watching yeah. the movie. I really... It, yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, really hard, hard it to... was hard for me to concentrate on the movie. One, because the movie almost won't let you do that, but... Sure, um, sure. But I really had I really kept going back and forth in my mind on the the kills ends question. And finally um, somewhere around three quarters of the way I think I landed somewhere. Me well, I wouldn't I think I think it took a like a second viewing for me to go, okay. You know, all things considered, this is not worse than Halloween Kills. Yeah, that's uh, But you know what? It's not significantly better. No, I don't think so either. So, 
It's exactly where I thought it would yeah. be. <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> and, you know... See, but as, I was worried I was... because this movie does something that we talk about a lot. And, yes, and it is breaking badly. new ground and it does take big <laughs> swings. And I thought you might like that enough to push it even past 2018. But it's, to me, this, this mean, movie more than anything really shows uh, some directorial ineptitude. I mean, the balls on these filmmakers. Yes. To deliver... <laughs> to deliver... <laughs> deliver a film... This poor excuse for a film. <laughs> yes. And to deliver... To not even deliver the film that was promised. Exactly. Take some balls, but misguided balls. Right. Um, that's that. So that was that. That was the that was the uh, internal argument that I was having. I I kept yeah. saying, "Wow, what the fuck? You've cheated people out right. of their movie. Big ass balls. You gave them a, an anthology biker movie. But the the other the other thing that I find really egregious about it was as big as their balls were, it was still a half swing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I because mean, it's a, they don't yeah. fully commit to it because 40 minutes in, they, they 40 minutes in, they go, oh, yeah, we promised an end to the Michael Myers story. That's exactly what happens. I have the same note. 40, 40 minutes before we get Michael and even then it's shoehorned. Right, in. exactly. <laughs> um, But I, I, I was going to ask this question later, but I'll ask it now since it's sure. since we're starting to talk about it. Uh, at what point do you think they that Bloomhouse abandoned its soft reboot of Christine and then decided to graft that onto Under Halloween this. Yes, right. <laughs> Let's just leave that as an open tab yeah. for the for, for for our discussion. Because is it it's is it where you put it in the list as well? Yeah. Okay, confirmation of that. And then we've got to talk about good or bad, and it doesn't sound like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> either of us are gonna I don't think I'm make gonna a case push for this being the good. good. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, it was really, really, it was really terrible. And you know, I, it was I doubt frustratingly people, terrible. It really was, and you know, I doubt most people are going to agree with me that this entire trilogy has been squandered. But I, I could definitely make most people agree that the last two films in this trilogy are absolutely worthless. Mm-hmm. And I think the lesson to be learned here is don't announce you're making a trilogy when you have content for, for one, one movie and a bit of film yeah yeah one and a bit <laughs> if we're being generous if, right yeah right you've got one and a quarter films here <laughs> of worth of story and this content. this movie is complete and total confirmation of that oh yeah and i do you know we we, we talked a lot on halloween 2019 against certain industry trends in franchise fiction and i think this is another one it's like starting a trilogy when you have nothing in reserve right for more than about a film right i mean you could say that about the the star wars sequel trilogy uh you know there's i'm sure there's other examples it's like there's no reason why this needs to be a trilogy no especially if you if you don't have the content to cover it, right? I mean, no I go, one was asking you know, for a trilogy. Because I, I, obviously we just recently talked Halloween 2018. 
and I obviously I like that movie more than you. But if Kills and Ends didn't exist at all, I think it would elevate that movie even more. Cause, just I mean, it it's just a straight. I mean, do you think that they? Do you think that they bit off more than they can chew? That we would they were just like, oh yeah, this is going to be a trilogy, and as it went on, they were like, I don't think we got a trilogy here. I doubt that that was probably a mindset ever. I. But when when you when you basically sandwich in what is a kind of anthology film within the Myersverse, right? As the as the basis of your final film, right? Yeah. Haven't even you realized that? Well, so what I was going, what I was going to say was, I think that maybe they had uh, an idea in their head for the first two movies. Like they had enough for that, they thought. Yeah. Well, they'd seen Halloween too. Right. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) I I think what's possible is that they thought uh, they didn't think past that, but clearly, I think I think uh, it was probably hubris. Like they probably thought. But listen, we're going to be able to come up with something great. It's like it's like when a, when you know like you ask a child who's familiar with with a with a particular story to finish the story yeah, right. to like take it on from the ending. And they, this is what they come up with. And this is being generous to Halloween Kills because I mean that movie's gar. We've talked about how that movie's garbage yeah. and none of the choices it makes, but. It weirdly feels more official. Yes, and I, I hate saying. I that. know. I, I. But I know exactly what you mean because I feel this, this... the same way. <laughs> the one thing I, I, you know, twenty eighteen, to me at least, does resemble a Halloween movie. Yes, particularly Halloween and H two O. But kills. Barely, like, it's scratching to to feel like a Halloween yeah. movie. And this does not feel like a Halloween movie at all. No, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, those, this, the first kind of note I created in my mind while watching the movie in the, in the theater mm-hmm. that I knew I was going to write down as soon as I got to, you Paper. know, a Word document <laughs> um, was there are, I'm, I guarantee you there are, Children of the Corn video sequels that have more convincing ties to the original franchise than this has to Halloween. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. And it was at some point that Corey was stumbling around underneath a bridge about to be kidnapped via a pipe. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't recognize what this is anymore. Nope. It's definitely not the movie I signed up for. Right. And I, I presumably other fans of the franchise did not also, unless you are so into Carpenter as an idea that you will take anything that's pulled from disparate yeah, parts right, of his right, canon. Yeah, right, 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 right. I think that's what they were banking on. I really do. So, well, I'm I'm not sure I agree because okay. for me, one of my notes that I wanted to rush to, to write down was that the full fetishism that these creators seem to have with the canon and beyond is complete now. I mean, we op- we open with the blue credits of Halloween 3. 
which in one way I get because they're going to tell a story that has nothing to do with Michael Myers, except yeah. it does yeah, have something making to do an, with Michael Myers. So They're making an anthology movie too. Right. <laughs> but they're also not doing that. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean about half commitment. And that's it. It's interesting because, you know, I, I one of my first notes is that by borrowing the credit title font from Halloween three, mm-hmm. you're borrowing from Halloween movies that are not even in the timeline that you have. Excised. That you have gotten rid of. Exactly. <laughs> So this is a ne- this is next level borrowing. And so to me, we we talked a lot. I you know because for 2018 for whatever reason there were things that were taken or borrowed or stolen, and I think I gave it more of a pass. Yeah. And I think I think I kind of uh, excised the what the the nasty nature of it be- yeah. because. I think literally it was because I liked the inversions at the end. I liked Laurie going over right, that, you right. know? Yeah. So it's... See, you felt like they did something with yeah, exactly. those references. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, here. I've been thinking about this a lot. Because you gave... You, you were, you, you know, you you were really laying down a kind of argument, like like a prosecutor, when we were doing 2018 about... I object. <laughs> why, you know, these these guys with comedy background, why were they yeah. doing this and why were they doing that? And it occurred to me all of a sudden, do you think that part of that has to do with their uncomfortableness with what fandom thinks of them? So they felt like yeah, they had they to prove to Halloween fans that they know the canon, that they know the series. And that's why all this shit is wedged in there, that it comes out of a an insecure place. I'm floored by how insightful that is. Yeah. I uh, yes, I mean And thank you. It definitely comes from <laughs> I, I definitely comes from an insecure place, yeah. And I, I I would you know, I buy that theory completely. Yeah. Um except, you know, if you're gonna do that you need to do it. You well, obviously, you need to do it from a place of security, which is that you've got something else to offer, offer right? Yeah, you know, up your sleeve, and they then they don't, and that you 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 know you would feel secure enough not to do something as kind of destructive as eliminating a timeline. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, 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 that all fits. That all makes sense to me. All right. Well, let's get uh, to this movie because we yeah, kind of talked about a lot, it. A lot to, a lot to say. We kind of talked about it, but my one of my first notes that I wrote down watching it at home was not encouraged by in-world radio station introduction voiceover. Let me tell you my note. <laughs> Shrouding the movie in a Tarantino-esque mid-century musical retroism. Yeah. Right, right. And then, and then, dash, don't test me. <laughs> That's great. So, don't I mean, it's, me. it's, 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 yeah, it's gains and, lo- I mean, you know, you can see this in a number of ways. Like, I like the change of pace musically. Because mm-hmm. the last two films have just been this ominous draw yeah, right. to cover the bloated eye dents. And here they've gone with a much punchier sound. 
Sure. To do it. But, you know, it's so like the music you would get in a Tarantino movie that when the Miramax logo comes up, you go, okay, so we're back to just right, throwing, right, right. you know, this is like dressing up as Pulp Fiction characters at a party in Resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, oh, that's what you're doing here. Uh, speaking of bloated idents, I didn't think it was possible that that Bloomhouse ident could get more bloated. <laughs> Apparently I was wrong. <laughs> and now they've claimed Michael Myers as their as own. As their own. And also... I mean, Bloomhouse hasn't been around that long, right? I mean, this is maybe the third or... F- it's very presumptuous. Yeah. It is It is a presumptuous logo. It, it uh, Isn't it like the third or fourth iteration of, of their logo? Uh, yeah, it could well be. I mean, it's the first one, first time I've seen that one. Yeah, me too. And it, it's like, it's sort of like... You know, do you get to say you're the Michael Myers studio film company? Yeah. When there's two other big studios, you know, uh, that could more legitimately claim they own it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's the attitude that these that the filmmakers have to everything regarding the Halloween. Sure, cast, right. I think summed up in a logo. So, yeah. Um, yes. And, you know, this is when we, you know, what for me was the biggest surprise, uh, one of the biggest visual surprises of the film was aping the Halloween tree. I mean... When it it came up... I have mixed feelings. I had mixed feelings. I'm like, damn, this looks good. And I'm so glad people who will never see Halloween 3 Season of the Witch will get a glimpse of how good... That font is, but I also and was what a great start to the movie. It would be, but but I think it. I think that that exists for you and me. Most people aren't going to see those titles and think Halloween but three. They look object no, but they look objectively cool. I think that's what I'm, I think they look know, objectively like... cool. But I also think, I think it might be confusing for an audience that doesn't know. Oh yeah, that they they're blue, what blue? Yeah, blue. What what? Uh huh. So I don't know. I, I no. you know, I. Uh, that's what I said. Like, but, uh, mixed feelings. but I also like, what you know, it's like I the, had like, mixed feelings. Mic- I, I thought, oh, you know, Halloween. I, I got very excited because this is Halloween. And three, then I got immediately offended. Yeah, I got me. I got immediately offended, too, uh, because I knew that there, I I instantly knew there would be lots of references to Halloween three throughout the movie that I would not enjoy. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, but. But nonetheless, it's a little bit like, to your point, it's a little bit like um, Lorne Michaels' reaction to uh, Bill Hader imitating Vincent Price on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's great, but why now? <laughs> and so... Well, let's talk about so this, this is the cold, kind oh, of a well, cold we, open. Well, uh, you know, you so we've got the, you know, the... the you got to mention... We've got another, we've got a DJ. Yeah. Uh, so we're back to, first of all, you know, it's a, a classic mid-90s storytelling device. Mm-hmm. Also one that holds, <laughs> barely holds Curse of Michael Myers together. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we'll go back to that later because that comes becomes more important sure. later. But, uh, you know, as someone who's been watching these movies for two years, I'm like, I, I instantly clocked that. That was the reference they were uh-huh. making, but uh, like you say, many people would not. Um, because again, these filmmakers up... have a fetish for all the other movies in the canon and want to prove to yeah. you, yeah, 
Anyway, it's like you know the 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 man who knows Indians, you know the the the, the pioneers who wanted to imitate the Native American lifestyle while uh, you yeah know, committing genocide on their people. Um, that's a perfectly appropriate analogy. I will not <laughs> right. right. Um, so we're 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 pretending to pick up the Halloween after the last two movies. Correct. But it's a false and partial time lapse, and also there's no evidence of, of what happened a year ago. I, that, that's there's my, no way that's there would my be note. This, I, why are there would be no children, way there'd be this many children on the yeah, street? Yeah, why are children one year later with Michael Myers on the loose on Halloween night running around the streets by themselves with no parent, yeah. no parental supervision? Right. Uh, so we're there's already no sense that what happened last year has had any kind of effect on the community itself we're already backtracking on what on the kind of the gravity of what we've proposed michael myers is yeah and the, basically the whole film will kind of undo that mm -hmm. yeah uh um and we're, this is where we're introduced to Corey, Corey, who in retrospect you'll find out is the lead of the film mm-hmm uh, I, I because was, once again, I was... we have shunted everybody else to the side, yep. just like uh, the last movie, Laurie, Allison, and Frank. Yep. Barely a part of this story. Yeah. And his, it was an entirely brand new character. And I guess you should have known that, that, that they were trying to integrate him into the world of the film because there's a whirlwind of exposition around oh, him. Oh, yeah. And it is quick fire, and it's very much like we've got to establish this guy as someone who exists in this universe really quickly, mm -hmm. and like to the point where two different people are shouting exposition as they cross it. Yeah, right. And I'm like, and 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 you know how badly this is done. I remember not a fact about this man. Yeah, exactly. Something to, they, someone mentions hockey. He's going to college soon. He's it's like, like but some I, sort I, of I, you, know, you know an MIT. Press me, I couldn't. He's tell applied you. to a couple of MIT type schools. It's like, I mean, it really he is de trims desperate their hedges. To. It's like, you remember this guy you've never met. Yeah. It's that kind of feel. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but when you saw that spiral staircase, did you you knew what was, how the scene was going to yeah. end, right? Yeah. But I have a question and another, for you. It's like, come, they've sort of come out with their worst ever example of reverse engineering. Yeah, right. One in which there are no surprises. Yeah. That uh, spiral staircase, and especially the sort of attic-y place that he ends up later, did you get Changeling vibes? I haven't seen it. What's the Changeling? Oh, it's a George C. Scott. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's a, it's a fun movie. Okay. I like that movie. All right, well, I was, I was curious. It's a movie... I, the, I think yeah. the most famous thing in that movie was, you know, it's... The very front scene, spoiler alert, Tom, uh, his kid dies, his kid and his wife. and Something like that happens in a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Kidding and me. then he moves to the other side of the country, I believe, and there's a little ball that his kid had. And the ball kind of rolls down the stairs at one point, ominously, and he's like, fuck mm. this. And he goes to the Golden Gate Bridge, I think, and throws it over the side. And the second he wow. gets home... That wet ball starts rolling down the stairs again. That's good stuff. Anyway, well, no, I, I I'm gonna pick up on that because uh, that sounds to me like another example of of uh, a phrase I'm gonna coin here, mm -hmm. 
meta better. <laughs> That's great. Which, which is what happens when you're watching a film where what the characters are watching on screen is what you want to be watching. Yes. Infinitely preferable to what you are actually watching. The Agreed. Wa- watch, watching. So when you see the thing on TV and you this know like... it's Carpenter, it's the 20th anniversary, but I'm like, God, I wish I was watching right. this. Well, and also cause, <laughs> because Laurie Strode was watching The Thing from, the thing from Another, from another world, world in the first movie. And so you have this real sense of, of these guys, this movie is really a snake eating its own tail at this point. And, I mean, did you... So... I mean, you can't even count it as an Easter egg at this point. It's so... No, no. You know? And there are so like they they make so many tenuous and tangential links back to both the character of Michael Myers and the last two movies in these mm-hmm. scenes that you really get a flavor of how unconnected Corey's gonna be, yeah, to the ongoing story of this franchise to the point where even he writes off his own relevance to the story right. when he says, "Oh, that stuff about you know he that that the trauma that that kid's going through is just normal kid imagination right. stuff." And I'm like, "I'm sold." Why are you in this movie? <laughs> um, and I got to say, with this, with the record that this trilogy has on child murder. Oh yeah. As soon as I saw that child, I was like, "Dead, they're dead. They will be dead within minutes." But what I didn't know was how ineptly all of it would be handled. Absolutely, because a lot of people are calling. I've seen people calling this front scene the best part of this movie. I kind of agree with that, but that is not a compliment. Exactly. I was going to say, they might be right, but that has to do more with how terrible what comes after it is, as opposed to it actually being very good. So Yeah, little did did I know that the two jump scares in this sequence would be as scary as the film ever gets. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, And, you know, I... Something that really bothers me, and this is this is a characteristic of, of, of this entire trilogy, and especially the last film, we talked about it. I don't even like Corey before he becomes a serial yeah, killer. Yeah, me either. He actively tries to scare a traumatized child, and that's before the kid is mean to him. Right. He says, the boogeyman's going to get you. Now, his mother has just said to him, he wets the bed, he's so shit scared. Right. Why would you say that to and a also, kid like that? And also, but like not apropos of nothing. What I don't understand, like they don't, the, the you know, David Gordon Green doesn't seem to understand what he's already Empathy. written in his movie. So the mom is saying this kid is traumatized. He's frightened. But then when you meet the kid, he's being a real fucking asshole. And to me, it's as though the filmmakers want the audience to think maybe the kid deserves to die. Absolutely. Like when, when he calls him an ugly ass boy babysitter, I don't know if that's ass boy or <laughs> ugly ass boy babysitter. Yeah. Not still not sure. I've seen it twice. Um, and, <laughs> and the entire purpose of that line is to make us feel sorry for Corey and hate the kid. Right. And yet they're building Corey as, as the kind of guy who would like try to scare a kid into wetting his own bed again. Mm-hmm. Unmotivated. I could not understand why after hearing that this kid is traumatized and like, don't do this, no scary movies. The first thing they're doing is watching the thing. And the first scene we see is 
is and then they try and walk that back yeah where he's like oh this is getting way too disgusting and it's like it's too late in the day for you to pull this social responsibility exactly yes this movie cards you can't you cannot be doing that now um but also (laughs) there's an inconsequential callback to h2o (laughs) yeah with the beer in the fridge Uh, you know, in an attempt to characterize Corey as in between a child and a man, you know, the classic means of doing that is, do I have chocolate milk or beer? This, yeah, this this movie literally does not know what Corey's age is. Or... Everyone looks like they are not quite the demographic they're supposed yeah. to be in this film. I'll get to that. And I know that, and I know you can't le- you you can level that at a lot of horror films. Yeah, sure. Right? No, but I mean or a I lot mean, of films in general with youth casts, but I don't I really mean the way they here. look. I mean the way they are presented. But I'll get to that later. That too. Uh, that too. But and then this so whole I, I scene. Mom- yeah. Well, this whole scene hinges on the kid disappears. We are led to think that maybe Michael Myers is back. So the door, he, you know, Corey notices the door is open. He mm-hmm. is walking around. He's yelling, you know, asking for the kid. He goes outside. He comes back inside. He starts going upstairs. He, you know, the, but, but that whole front half of that is him not knowing where the kid is, not hearing jack shit from the kid. But yeah. creepy stuff of like the doors open, this, this, and that. And then from a muffled behind door upstairs, we hear, help me. And in my mind, if I was the, I, the first thing I thought was, if I was the babysitter, I would think, uh, like, I, I, I never saw the relief. And that's what I would think. Oh, this kid's fucking with me. He's not gone. Everything's well, but this movie wants you to think that it's still a dire situation. Well, they yeah, because they've got to put that zucchini bread knife into play. Right. Having set it up in the previous scene. Now, so this this was another revelation for me where I I was like, am I, again, am I giving this movie am I being hypocritical because isn't that isn't this level of reverse engineering evident in all horror films in some sense? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, let's think of the prototypical horror film. Psycho. The taxidermy birds. Hitchcock has them in the scene for a reason. Yeah. But it's not because Martin Balsam's going to get impaled on a beak at some point. <laughs> and every single right. piece of prop or furniture in this movie is is going to play a part in another scene. Yeah. And that... So... I, I'm t- I feel, again, thinking, thinking it through that prism, I'm totally vindicated. I'm like... There's nothing in this film, nothing exists in this world to build out the world, the fictional world. It's all about how it will be used in a later scene. Yeah, but my biggest problem with the reverse engineering of this scene is the characters are acting, saying, and doing things that don't make any sense. I mean, when Corey finally gets upstairs and he gets into the creepy attic and the kid locks the door, why is Corey freaking out like he's the 10-year-old? Yeah. He's 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 scared as though Michael Myers is in the room with him. And then he starts kicking the door to kick the door open. What would possess that small kid to stand right in front of the door when he hears that his babysitter is actively trying to kick it open? 
Well, he's got to. We've got to find some way, you know. But it's we it, know. It, that's we, what we, I mean. You've got to get. It's all just yeah. a reverse engineering to have the kid fall over the rail. Yeah. But they're all we've set, two, they're all doing this, things that they would got, never do. At some point in the scene, a spiral staircase and a kid have to interact in a tragic fashion. Yeah. Right. How we get there doesn't matter. Right. Yes. Um. It, yeah. So. I mean, this is, I, I feel like this, this if this scene were to work at all, narratively, Michael Myers wouldn't be in the rest of the film. Yes, exactly. Right. This would be like, this would be like the, the trend, this would help you kind of smooth over the transition from being a Michael Myers film to being a, a Halloween film in which Michael Myers does not right. appear, appear. So the fact that that is not what this mm-hmm. is, is a problem. Big, yeah, exactly. Um. I would have well, more you know, respect like... for this movie if I was going to say if Michael Myers wasn't in it at all, or it, basically if he was in it enough for for Corey to just get the mask, and he becomes can... Michael Myers. Right. I I mean, and also I think I think there are two better horror precedents for doing this. One of which is season three, see Halloween three season of the witch. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different fictional universe, but they're watching Halloween and it's Halloween. Yeah. Right? So you've got that. You just create a different, a brand new u- fictional universe. Or you do, uh, remind me, you you know Friday the 13th. Is it, is it uh, five? Mm. Friday the 13th. That's a new beginning. Five? Yeah, where they have the, the, the guy who's going around, the, the copycat. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I. It's like... Both of those right, are right, better right. strategies for di- not to say they're yeah, they're imperfect films. Yeah, sure. One more imperfect than the other. But <laughs> look you at know. you still. <laughs> you got your agenda. No, what but <laughs> yeah, so always, always. Speaking of speaking of agenda, um I hope I hope uh, former guest of the show and co host of the um Project Nineteen Eighty Two, Matt Aldridge is listening. Because uh, he he will see a very different version of showing the movie The Thing to your kids yes. than has occurred in his life. Right. And I imagine the experience of most modern day children. Yes. <laughs> I think if you want to know what that scene really looks like, listen to Project 1982 and hear Matt describe showing The Thing to his son. That the, There will not be a trauma. It will not contribute to your child's trauma in the way that this movie suggests. <laughs> That's great. I tell you what, uh, why don't we take a break? We're through. I feel like we should. We're, we're, we're through the it. cold, coldish open, and then we'll get to credits. <laughs> we got, we got, to, we got to see some pumpkin eat, eat some other pumpkins. Exactly. All right. We'll be back. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. 
and the Vegas beer guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing... Happily, Halloween ends. <laughs> is it is it the ends that you're happy yeah, about, or yeah, the, very. the Halloween? Yeah, the Halloween part. Because at the end of the movie, they uh, they give us an they give us that distinction. Yes, <laughs> ends. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> Well, when last we left, we were hard cutting to credits. Uh, you're uh, a big fan of the hard cut in these movies. I didn't notice the hard cut quite as quite uh, as definitively. Oh here. come on, mom like screaming back... up through the spiral staircase. Hard cut Halloween ends. Blue titles. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll 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 take it. I'll take it. Uh, I guess. You know, I'd already, I'd already cognitively moved to. Oh, what are they gonna show yeah. us? What, what are they gonna do with pumpkins? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say though, this is like the film itself. This is the first movie in the trilogy where the the pumpkin motif is conceptually illogical. Uh huh. Like I feel like I get the reinflated pumpkin. In I Halloween understood that one. The, the as many pumpkins as movies and then setting on fire. Here, I, I wanted to no ask, fucking clue. I wanted what, to ask you, do you understand it? I think no. I think there were seven pumpkins. Well, let me describe what happened. Let me describe what happens. Okay, and see. If, Only see one if of them I recognize can... is the pumpkin from the original Halloween. Yeah. Uh, basically, pumpkin. Which, by faces... the way, was the second pumpkin. Yeah. Well, this this. This has a movie has a problem with timelines. Um, f- so pumpkin faces eat their way out of each other until we're in until there's no more faces and we have to go inside a pumpkin's ass. Yeah, it's a, well to me. I mean, I, <laughs> I I don't feel like I'm caricaturing that. No, I, that's, yeah, that's, exactly. To me, I I thought, are they going for the webby skull pumpkin? of Halloween 2 from 81, mm-hmm. but instead of webby inside, it's just blood, like right. inside a body. I guess you can say that, you know, visually we do see a lot of pumpkin innards in the film. We do. But here it looks, I mean, it looks like we're in the middle of a colonoscopy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's right. I mean, we go inside this 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 ass-like curve yeah. in the pumpkin. And then all we have in, you know, all we have inside is like, you know, fantastic voyage. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Um, so 20,000 leagues re- yeah. under the pumpkin ass. <laughs> So the I you know that's the the most I can attribute the 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 through line that I can attribute pumpkin innards play something of a role in this film. But don't ask me that's what this is. That's as far as I got too. Yeah. Of uh, course, we immediately again, every... start with Laurie voiceover. 
Well, first of all, every actor named by character again. Yeah. Trying to sell the illusion. These are all legacy characters. Mm -hmm. They're not. Most of them are new. Uh, way too many writers here. Yes. Really signposting that this is a movie grafted together from many different movies. Yeah. And that's exactly what it feels it like. It completely <laughs> feels like. And we're straight in with an imbass of the re recap montage. Yeah. Which mixes the classic and the new films. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just feel like not enough time has passed since you last did this to have earned the right to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Laurie voiceover, as you mentioned, picking up in, in, in uh, her role as narrator from the last film. Um, mm -hmm. But they've given her a book to write now to cement that function so we can get more voiceover. Because that was the real success of the last yeah, film. But was the voiceover that ended the movie one of the worst moments in any film ever. But didn't you get a sense... As we're listening to her writing, that she might not be a good writer. Oh, she's terrible. <laughs> and you know, by proxy, so are the screenwriters. So, at one point, so this, so, it, I had was, a, it really, it really made me sad. And then, of course, it ends. At least this first voiceover ends with the words, uh, "Let evil inside." And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, so this movie's announcing its theme to us overtly. Yeah, except except she rewrites that sentence three or four times, which which also speaks to how this movie doesn't know what its theme yeah. is. <laughs> this movie announces to us in a number of ways that this is cobbled together from several drafts. Yes. Um, something. Well, so there was something that I wanted to ask you about. Mm -hmm. um, because I was, I suspected it might be cleverer than I was giving it credit for. In the voiceover, she says, "As I predicted, Michael came back." And I thought, I mean, yeah, that's what biographies are like. That these they're self-aggrandizing, right? They're, it's like if you read Morrissey's autobiography, it's full of this kind of rhetoric, like, you sure. know, as I, you know, I, I predicted this twenty years before it happened, and I was right about this. Everyone else was wrong. Is this just a coincidence? Uh, what, what? Is it just bad writing? Yeah, I think it was just bad writing. Th or is it the kind of writing, is it a satire of biography writing, which does read like this? Well, but but her writing that would mean that she should feel vindicated, and her life choices do not match that vindication. Oh, yeah, it's told. I mean, the, the overall function of that is to vindicate her right to have become a gunman. Right. And a continued justification of armed violence and inv individual vigilantism, even after the last movie. <laughs> right. Don't feel like we should be doubling down on that. Yes, message, exactly. Whatever. Um, newspaper clippings all over the All world. over the place. <laughs> yes. Two polls from H2O in 12 minutes. That's got to be a record. <laughs> and it's so, you know, it's, it's got I mean, to be fair... That's not, it's, I mean, it is a poll from H2O, but it's a, it's a sequel poll just in general. It's, uh, yeah. So I, it's not. I have the same note. I have, it's, it's, it's both an imbass and it's been done before in the yeah. series. But you know what? These newspaper clippings give me more information than the film does about what's happened in between. About anything. Yes, exactly. The two movies. Home of Michael Myers demolished. Right. Why am I getting this through the fictional newspaper? Why, why isn't anyone talking about <laughs> exactly. this? Exactly. I have to look at a fictional newspaper to find out this shit? 
Find some way of telling me in the film. <laughs> um, and of course, this whole th- when we move into the present present day, the last four years, this montage of the last four years, yeah. which is now this is our real timeline after the fake timeline that we had Correct. before. Um, <laughs> but talk about, about shoehorn. Cr- I well I. <laughs> I have a different adjective for you, crowbar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I feel like we're talking. We're on the same yes, page. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> to me, it felt I like, like they yeah. they they tacked on and added this funeral procession scene, and then thought, "Oh, I have a great idea." You know, yeah. it's the catharsis for the town. So let's add this at the beginning. And it's you know trying to crowbar Crunch, yeah. and, <laughs> into the aftermath of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. But not only is it completely unrelated to to anything that happened with Michael Myers, it does doesn't even have anything to do with the quote paranoia. Yeah, that right. Surrounded exactly. Those years that has no bearing on what he did or his fate. Mm-hmm. Like, and at one point they even say, you know, out loud, she says. This affected people who never even crossed his path. So this movie's basically yes. telling us anything unconnected to Michael Byers can be this can, movie. Yes, right. <laughs> in, in which case, I want to I want to follow the story of that table of Joes. <laughs> I want to know what's going on in there. If this is an anthology, right. can I choose what story it tells? Yeah. I want to go with the table of Joes. <laughs> uh, I got a, qu- a question for you. Is pie a Halloween tradition? Uh, you're in the right season. You're not on the right day. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the most generous I can be with that one. But but I mean, but, all of but I tell you just... what, it is. It's a gra- it's a grandma stereotype. Exactly. That's what we're going for. And so, baking, knitting, homemaking. Yes. There's no middle ground here. Gave, She's either gave... the traumatized final girl or the domestic goddess there's and no... there's no in between like i couldn't believe no how far this character had come with no sense of how or why it's so broad it's I mean, so it's, broad it's like uh the, the the woman who owns tweety pie level of yes exactly and why not and they burn the pie to show that she's an imperfect grandma yes right but it's like no you don't even need to go that far like Find the middle ground. I was busy writing my Don't bad book. Don't backtrack off your own extreme bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and why not? I mean, this would this this would be difficult because now you've decided to do the four year time jump. But again, what? the key part there is you've decided. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but if I could buy all of this more, if Laurie Strode, if this was sort of her first. Halloween trying to get over the hump of what she was and and as a person wanting to make it perfect for her granddaughter yeah going to like yeah that's actual character characterization yeah. that would make sense that would I would buy yeah but that it's 4 years later and that she's just there's no sense of the gun nut anymore yeah. until again, until the like... movie needs her to be that's have that sense and she immediately changes at the end of the movie again. It's more sitcom logic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. It's the kind of grandma that you would find in a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Just as, the, you know, uh, when you were describing them, the co- the kid in the cold open. Yeah, right. You you describing what was going on. I was like, I was like I'm pretty sure there's an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm 
where they're talking about how this kid has mental health problems and Larry's figured out that the kid's just an asshole. Yeah, right, right. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's the logic, right? Mm. That's like that. That's why I think of these these brilliant sitcoms is because that's the writing style they got. But it just doesn't work right, here, yeah. and it looks it makes everything look really caricatured and stereotyped. Well, the way and, it doesn't and, need to be. And they continue that character further with your opening line. They try to give you the sense that she's the old Lori by just telling her granddaughter that she should tell trauma yeah. to show her tits and say, let's go. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Um, Again, so... with a very strange push in that looked, <laughs> that looked, it looked like male gaze because it, it yeah. almost looked like it was well... ready to pan down to Jamie Lee Curtis's tits. And this movie thinks it's making a statement about the male gaze yes. with one of the later killings. And I'm like, you got a lot of male gaze in here. Right. <laughs> so I don't think you're the one, you're the filmmakers to be, you know, pointing out, uh, you know, how destructive the male gaze mm-hmm. is. Um, I'm I'm particularly upset because we at this point we're going to see and re-meet Allison as well. Oh, this poor yeah. actor just has... Nothing oh. to do in this movie, <laughs> except so this is how this is how you know it's and we're not quite there yet, but this is how you know they've got nothing for her to do and they forgot to write her a character in the last two movies right. and now they're struggling to give her stuff to do. She's telling dad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> her dad didn't even tell dad jokes. Right. He he had... the whiz from Seinfeld wasn't a guy going around telling dad jokes, but apparently she is. And then the same thing happens with Lindsay mm-hmm. a little later on. They give her tarot cards. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, stop giving people business. Write a character for them. If, if you can't think of something for this person to be, yeah. just don't have them in your movie. Uh, yeah. Um... And then, you know, do obviously, does like, this, I think... We're... Does this movie think that band bullies, is that supposed to be comedy? Uh, this is where I think, this is the Christine of it all for me. Starting. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, we yeah. go into that scrapyard, they're wearing the Letterman jackets, like the bullies in right. Christine, kind of. Uh, and I just think it's, you know, they're like, we're out of content, let's let's steal from another carpenter film. <laughs> I wish you, you know, but they're also, you know, at this point, they're also, they're doing the thing that, that we've debated before about making lots of homage to other sequels in the canon. I mean, the homeless guy is a very obvious callback to the hermit in Halloween Halloween five, as is the Michael. Well, I was also thinking Halloween three, the guy who's asking for booze in the middle of the field. Yes, Yes. All the various homeless people in the <laughs> canon in the Halloween in this canon. franchise already, uh, and you know the the when you you hear Willie the kid on yeah uh, on the radio, you're just like God, this is just like how it's done in Curse, like, and it's such a '90s device. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but as we go on, you you'll be like, okay, so this is a they want to kind of modern they want to modernize whatever he's called not howard stern from curse of michael myers by making him a dj who only plays retro music and occasionally just 
despite being, you know, a uh, what you would imagine a liberal African American, spouts Alex Jones style conspiracy yeah, right, theories. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like this doesn't. Th- there is no one DJ like yes, this. Yes, exactly. There are there are several DJs with one of these. Well, and we talked a lot of in Halloween kills about how much that movie cheats and this movie is egregiously doing that as well yeah and that's one of the things that's cheating you know it's it's i'm surprised that like it knows as little about podcasting as it does about local broadcasting yeah right right (laughs) because not only do djs like this not exist Mm -hmm. They don't even exist in the way that this movie fictionalizes yeah. them. You know I mean, the I mean? biggest like... cheat of all in this movie is this idea that Allison and Corey fall in love. This movie thinks that him arriving at the, the clinic and her giving a little head tilt and a mm, look is really all the audience needs to believe that these two are falling in love. I mean, that's it. Well, I mean, that's a, that's, there's a lot to unpack here. Because we're back in the hospital. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Have you learned nothing? <laughs> but we're back, we're not in the hospital from Halloween 2 anymore. We're in the hospital from Halloween 3. Oh, I, w- I was going to say we're in the hospital from Halloween 5. You know how well, they have that little specific- sort of I- clinic that Jamie's in? But here's where we are, you know, and, and uh, th- let me just frame this by saying it's the movie that's dragging us back here. We're not talking about this off the right. cuff. Okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a doctor in this film <laughs> called Dr. Mathis mm-hmm. who looks like Tom Atkins and is sexually inappropriate. Yes. Okay? That's, that's um, his... That's his... That's the baseline yeah. for his character. He is what... Mathis is what Chalice is in the real world. Yeah. Uh, and as we've talked about, you know, uh, the, the kind of toxic behavior that the that Halloween 3 glosses over. Correct. This movie brings to the fore. And I'd buy and appreciate this more if... Well, firstly, if the woman in the scene didn't immediately play it down and off yeah. when it's brought up, uh, that all the other men in the movie were completely toxic, yet not uh, depicted as right. such. Uh, <laughs> or that, you know, you give me something interesting, more interesting dramatically than what I got in Halloween 3, mm-hmm. where I don't feel like, that the with all its problems, the glossy, well-acted and written version is still preferable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Very good, then. Um, but but to your point, when you think about all the men that we see in this movie, I mean, I can't, except for the kid who dies at the beginning, his father, yeah. there's not a decent person. No, that's not true. Corey's dad, too. Well, but I mean, it's a stretch to say he's in the movie, but Frank. Yeah, right. I get your point, though. I think I think there is there's, but that's something that pisses a, me off too. Low, it's a you, low bar of masculinity. It's an yeah, overall right, low exactly. bar of masculinity, and you only have to sort of stick your head above the parapet to get called a good man in mm-hmm. this movie. And there's a scene so, later on in the in the diner where Corey and the cop. Oh my god! 
who are both completely toxic in different ways, have no right to claim the moral high ground on On anything. anything. And yet, intermittently, they both do. Yeah. And the movie just accepts it as, okay, you're going to end up with one of these two Yeah, exactly. Allison, choose. Because this is the moment where Allison should say, I don't want anything to to do with either one of you. I bet there's a good guy on the table of Joe's. But uh, to your point, let's talk a little bit about Frank because you said that, you know, 2018, everything that happened in 78 was preserved in amber and then we just drop into the time of 2018. The same thing happens in this movie. You're telling me after Mm. the conversation that Laurie and Frank had in the hospital about how they like each other four years ago, that just resulted in nothing? They're still just being smitten and cute with each other when they happen to see each other at the store. There's been no progression Again, just, of that relationship. I mean, that's that. There's so many redundant scenes in this film. Oh my this god! This is an extremely redundant one for precisely the reason you said. Also, it exists to remind us of aspects of the story we already know. Yeah, right. We know Corey was arrested, but he's really a good guy. They have a they the, Frank and Laurie have a romance between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laurie's writing a book. That's all we get from this scene, and the rest and of it, it is just that they want they want to see Laurie as a lovesick teenager, mm-hmm. which is a nice idea. But, but it then they way they also want to undercut that dishonest. with uh, what the town thinks of her, because surprise, surprise, yeah. and the you know, and these actors are better than all of this. Oh yeah, it's a waste of their time, as we've said before. But this is you know, I feel like a scene like this is. Easily cut without any loss to the film. And again, it adds well, that's to that. That's the thing, though, Tom, is that this movie. This movie's going to pretend that Frank is an important character, but does not ever treat Frank like an important character. So, what the fuck? That's very true. You could say the same about Michael Myers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, and what did you make of this in, diva Tyler being outside as Sandra yeah, and she's alive? I was just going to say that that's, I mean, clearly it's just an attempt. Well, obviously she's dead. So let's, she, she died in the last film, so shouldn't be alive. Uh, <laughs> but I say that just as a footnote, because clearly the point is, it's like, we want to get as many characters in every film in this trilogy as possible. Yeah, right. And they've resurrected her just, from the Just dead to make you believe it. that it's the same town. Right. And, you know, it again, it's a redundant... She's not a character. She's a vehicle for Laurie's guilt. Yeah, exactly. And also, there are, like, two separate instances in this film where, like, the, the voice of African-American people in the film tells you what's really happening and the white people don't listen. <laughs> and they also there's also a, there's a really weird and I, I I uncomfortable undercurrent of I don't want to be in a town where black people challenge me all the time, mm-hmm. like challenge my right to do whatever the fuck I want. Right. And we got a little bit of that in Halloween at the beginning in the bar in Halloween Kills. Right. But there are two, the two instances here of like I'm leaving this town. There are too many black people telling me the truth about what I'm doing <laughs> with my life. <laughs> Because what the sister's saying, I don't think that surviving the sister of um, Sandra yeah. is saying, is I don't think validated by the film, but I agree with everything she says. <laughs> like, my understanding of the story is hers. Yeah, right. But the film is definitely not on her side. Correct. 
So, and it's the same a little bit with Willie the Willy, Kid. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's spouting all these, ter- you know, these ridiculous conspiracy theories. But yeah, when you see the real, I don't know, I guess the real Willie the Kid, uh, who cares? Outside on uh, the sidewalk. Outside, this, let's say that's his real opinion. Again, it's like talking sense. The only person talking sense in the film. So much so that that Allison says, but the movie so doesn't much so know that, that Allison says, case. "Yeah, you're right. We should leave." <laughs> <laughs> um. So, shortly after this, we're at a party again. Which yeah, I I, you know, I have a note that you pa- would have a note. <laughs> <laughs> listen back to the past few episodes where we're at a party at a Halloween film. Let's face it's it. It's a red flag for poor storytelling Yes, choices. exactly. I mean, most of this scene is just to show Nick Castle flashing to me. Yeah, which is a, which is a fun Stanley moment, but I think the movie is... But in retrospect, you go, oh, this is about validating Corey as the new Michael yeah, Myers. Right. Like passing the gauntlet. Oh shit! Because I would have, I just wanted a fun but it, Stanley. It, it, it brings up other problems because apparently this is Lindsay's bar, or at the very least she works at it. So my question is, why weren't they at this bar four years ago? Okay, so well, I'll tell you why. I do not believe, <laughs> both in and out of world, that Lindsay is a bartender. Right. <laughs> I don't believe it because Carl Richards acts it horribly. <laughs> And I also don't believe it because of how how atrociously she behaved in the bar in the last yes. movie. No bartender is going to walk into someone else's bar and slam their glasses yeah. around, talk over people. That's just not how it it's, works. It's, you would. I mean, I don't believe anything. I don't believe anything about Lindsay's character in this film. I don't believe anything about Lindsay. I don't believe anything about this bar. This is a bar where twenty-one-year-olds and grieving mothers both <laughs> go to drink. What? There's, there's, yeah. I mean, that is one of the insurmountable coincidences of the film. There's no way that mother would be in this yeah. bar. Um, I was. It was interesting as well with the dancing, the music, the color, and the strobe lights. Aside from all the joy that people are having, I was like, isn't this Rob Zombie's vision of Halloween? It, yeah, it does. You're right. It does look like that. I mean, people are way too happy to be in a Rob Zombie film, you know, <laughs> right. and we don't see Sherry Moon Zombie at all, so yeah. we can't be, but it's the same vibe. But, so, um, but you know, it's funny because you're completely right because that movie, I mean, there's a scene after it between him and Allison, but, but as Corey's leaving that bar, he's kind of bathed in a blue light and you see his mm-hmm. his eyes go dark kind of like this is the moment this is the crossover and it, it you know again it's it's disingenuous because the last two movies have all been about you de-psychologizing michael myers like we don't want to treat him as a psychologically realistic character mm-hmm. but now you've kind of shunted all that onto a onto cory right sure because it's all about his psychodrama yeah right and again, it feel uh, you know. Speaking of Rob Zombie, it feels like, you know, Rob Zombie did go down the the psychological, the psychodrama mm-hmm. route, and everyone hated it. And I think this movie kind of wants to do that without the pressure of doing it with Michael Myers. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So hence we have Corey. I mean, that's one of the many possible reasons why Corey is even in this movie. Oh my god. None of which are definitive. For me um well laurie's knife laurie's knife that she gave him at the gas station where she bumped into him because the stories in this movie have no connection unless you arbitrarily create a meeting between right. them um 
her knife turns up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the hang on. I got I got something I I, I got to get off my chest because this yeah, this please. is where the band bullies come back. Right? Now Corey is a 21-year-old I'll say man <laughs> dealing with 16-year-old marching band members. Okay. Now there's four of them, two males, two females. Yeah. Uh-huh. But none of them strike me as <laughs> the most the most violently terrible people no. that you're ever going to come across. And if you're 16, you usually have a natural awe and fright of a 21-year-old who's pulls out knives, who's, looking creepy, who's killed a, who's killed a who's child, killed a person. <laughs> and at one point, one of the women of this this bully group says, "What's your deal with this kid?" They keep calling Corey a kid. <laughs> well, he still drinks chocolate milk. I really think that's... Oh, my... If, he, if he'd have chosen if beer he'd chosen at that the gas beer, station, be, they would have been, been like... Fine. They would have been like, look at that. Look at that handsome, strapping man. <laughs> I also just love um, that Corey pulls this knife, and it's just no big deal for these kids. Just whack, whack it out of his hand. Oh, uh, it's... It's strange. It's strange for a number of reasons, and you know, in between the uh, the two meetings of the with the band bullies and Corey, we see the lead band bully with his father, who is either yeah. who is faceless mm-hmm. and is either voiced by or voiced by someone doing impersonation of Steve Buscemi <laughs> with Steve Buscemi mid nineties hair. Um. And again, that's supposed to that's supposed to give this a new dimension, right? This scene a whole dimension. He says, "Your father hated you. Right. That's why you hate me." Which also doesn't make sense. Also, we don't, we don't know any of this because we haven't seen the father's face. We've just seen him <laughs> shouting at his, like, getting justifiably angry. Angry. I'll give kids. the movie a break. So, I mean, I thought they, I thought they pushed that across. I thought they. I think they're just making these decisions as they go. Maybe. Like, I didn't even get a sense that that guy who employs him at the scrapyard was his stepdad. Stepfather, I'm going to say, yes. I'm going to say stepfather. There's no sense that they knew that when he's introduced. They also don't see it because I think his mother is introduced as overbearing at first. And it's only three quarters through the movie where you think, oh, okay, so she's also abusive. Abusive and Oedipal, right? She's yeah. she's because uh, she's in love with she's sexually in love with her son, which again is not something they need to do. But you know they well, so it's continuing what, what the you, trend of ugly, ugly, ugly shit in this series or this. It is, and final you know, trilogy. excessive, excessive broadness. So yeah. you know, you've got the basically you've got a character in the overbearing mother who's a trope that works both in a sitcom sense and in a horror sense. Yeah, sure. And because these are sitcom writers <laughs> making a horror <laughs> film, they've gone to town on both of them. So not only is she the, you know, the classic overbearing, uncomfortably Jewish mother stereotype, <laughs> she also at one point starts to make out with her son. So it's Yeah, like, right. We want to go either pick a lane... Or, or create a character, you know? It's, it's like... Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we've been talking oh. about this movie for about an hour and ten minutes, and Michael Myers is finally going to appear in this film, so why don't we take a break right. and get to that? That's right. right. In, a, in a completely... <laughs> 
integrated organic. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, seamless, like it just flows. One minute you're fighting with band bullies on a bridge, the next you're in a pipe with Michael Myers. (laughs) Look forward to that, everyone. We'll be right back. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound. But as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target. Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target. That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. And we're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here trying to end ends. <laughs> it's, it's more difficult task than well, it I'm might seem. You, we're just getting to Michael Myers. <laughs> Michael Myers is yeah. in this film. Who'd have thought? In a movie in which... It's supposed to end his story. Yeah. His story beg- finally begins. All right. So. Um, <laughs> so what? It, what let, let, I don't know. I don't, yes, please, please. Yes. Uh, psychic magic. That That's my question. A good way to a good way to go. <laughs> You're... I don't know how else to frame it. I mean, obviously not. Yeah, right, but... exactly. <laughs> but as a way to link the two characters' stories together, I mean, that's some stapling, isn't it? Yeah, it felt Frankensteinish. But as I think, I think going back to your half committing, yeah. half committing to Frankenstein, <laughs> you might as well not right, be Frankenstein. Exactly. You got to go again. I don't know why I'm pulling so many Friday the Thirteenth references. You got to go full on Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Get that yes, lightning. Yes, exactly. Get that lightning and the, you know, the conductor and bring it back to life. I have been thinking this about is... that myself lately for this series because this series never went to where Friday the 13th did go. So this is as close yeah. as we get. But so so there is this no lightning strikes. And I thought, you know, why not? But it's magic. Oh, no. Yeah, completely. Still... But I guess my question um... to you was, you know... It's clearly it's it's witchcraft or magic or whatever it is, but would that make Michael Myers stop choking him to death? But it, what we but what I guess, we're doing I mean, here I get is it, in the sense of new rules. Yeah, exactly. Right? They, 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 I was just going to say we, have, we have come up with new rules, and I don't think we're quite there yet. But the the this idea that Michael Myers either lets you live or let lets you escape, which comes out of yeah, fucking right. nowhere. And also isn't borne out by anything we've seen or will see. Well, the old man uh, asks him fr- right after he gets out of the 
too, yeah. right? It's the first thing that happens is how did you get out of there? So a character in the movie so is he, asking he, the question yeah. that the audience is asking itself. And also, this is where the, the homeless guy goes from like an Igor-like sidekick, right. speaking of Frankenstein, to proof of concept for this ridiculous psychic link yeah. storyline that they're trying to shoehorn and or crowbar into the movie. <laughs> and then he um, goes home. But also, I just want also want to ask is like, so... This is, I, I don't know, this is the part of the movie where I was like, okay, so Corey's going to be the new yeah, Michael right. in some form or another. That's what I'm, other, otherwise. What are we doing here? Otherwise, you know, yes. What are we doing here? Um, but then I thought, well, we're not angling for a sequel. That's the thing, though. So I thought, it's like I this kept what, thinking, if you're going like, to do this, do this in the first fucking movie of your trilogy. Yeah, yeah. We're not angling for a sequel, so what are we doing beyond killing yeah. time? Because <laughs> my first thought was, oh, if this is the choice you're going to make, you are you cannot fool me. Corey's going to die, and then we'll get to Michael. I have something interesting to say about that, which I think you will enjoy right. when we get there. About that very question. Um, but I also, you know, this this actor, what's his name, Rowan Campbell? He, he sure. goes home. We get the he, overbearing well, goes... mom again, and then he takes a shower, and you have, like, this sort of short, pasty white kid staring at the mirror, mm-hmm. and the last thing he looks is intimidating. And so this transfer of power thing, it's very, I don't know, it's a difficult... they. I think they set themselves up with a very difficult mm. needle to thread. And, of course, they back out of trying to thread that needle before the movie's even over. So why are we doing it at all? Well, this this is where, you know, I thought that they've stapled... This is where I thought they've stapled together, like, a like a, a Halloween sequel storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, the transfer... Uh, Michael psychically linking up with Daniel Jamie, Harris, yeah. Jamie, with the kind of arc of the main character in Christine, mm-hmm. which isn't even convincing when a really good actor yeah, does right. <laughs> in a in a real John Carpenter movie. <laughs> it ain't going to work here. Um, and again, it's like we're just, uh, it's, everything is so, they're working so hard and insecure, I think is a perfect word that, that you've uh-huh. introduced to the discussion because the mother's like, when she's talking to Laurie, says, you know, your bo- your your boogeyman disappeared, so you blamed Corey. I was like, none yeah, of that exactly, happens. right. <laughs> he really is not connected to Michael Myers' story in any way until, until he psychically he's like, yeah, with until him. he, he and links that with was him. a total yeah. coincidence. You know, as soon as he gets on that bridge and those kids pull, oh up yeah, you've pipe, already like, seen the pipe. This is just, it's like this is just to get him to yeah. meet Michael Myers. It's another random. The, he's bumping into Michael Myers like he bumped into Laurie at the gas sure. station. It's complete, completely coincidence. There's no organic teasing out of why <laughs> that, why these these worlds aren't connected, and the movie knows it, and it's trying to kind of paper over the cracks in very unconvincing ways. We get our second um, voiceover of Laurie Strode. Well, also he goes back to so here's another totally redundant scene. He goes back to the house where he killed the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
recaps the cold open, which happened 35 yeah, exactly. minutes ago. I mean, that's got to be a record for recapping 35 minutes. Let me tell you about. And Allison let me even tell you says, about what the audience yeah. just saw. Yeah, and Allison even says, "Yeah, I know that yeah. story." <laughs> so who's this scene for? We know what happened. She knows what happened. <laughs> I, it's really, I wanted to. I didn't want to um, skip over something you said earlier, which was about directorial ineptitude. Mm-hmm. And these films really need continuity supervisors, yeah. because when they're in the diner, there's a basket of fried fruit on fried food on the table, and a waitress comes over and, and brings, brings another, another one. I noticed that. Yeah, I noticed food. the same thing. I'm like, no one's eating a meal like this. <laughs> and I'm just like, I bet they just forgot. They were just like, yeah, mm-hmm. good enough. We got to get this movie out by October. Um, so <laughs> this is where we get the table of Joe's, yes. uh, a more interesting moving happening in the background. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, you know, the, <laughs> I, well, let's, I w- let, let's, cause we, we go back to the cop. Yeah. So thank you. Cause that's what I really want to get to. I, I, I gotta okay, get to okay. this moment. You, you take I the just... lead on that. You, you take the lead on. I've got a lot to say as well. All right, but I the want cop you to take follows the Corey. You think it's Laurie at first, right? Or I did. Oh, that was following him? Yeah. No, okay, I thought not. it was the cop on my first initial. Why would I think Laurie Strode would be yeah, in this exactly. movie? Carry on. <laughs> but I also thought, you know, it's one of those small cheats. It's like, what we see is we see... Yep. Are they also because this movie has to reference everything, including the stuff that they've already done? They're like at the Bon Me restaurant, mm-hmm. right? They show they don't show it in this scene, but then they show Allison. Oh, it's called like Lucky. Noodles yeah, it says Bon Me, and I got I thought was that the same restaurant they yeah. were in earlier? It looks like it. Clearly, yeah, they want to. But they, they want to reference wanna, their own movies make, now. They want to so. make conversation. They want to make conversations about Barney sandwiches yeah. happen. Anyway, they have this confrontation in the restaurant, and then the very next thing oh, you, you okay. see is is Allison and uh, Corey, Corey no. riding on his no. motorcycle. We haven't talked about that. I I don't know how we haven't mentioned that yet. When that bike is unveiled, and it is, it is unveiled yes, completely. at the beginning of this film, did you not think, oh, I'm going to see a lot of bike action? <laughs> but I had no idea quite oh, yeah. how much. There is so much bike in this movie. There is a scene that begins with him just cycling yeah. around yeah. in a circle. Like, I know this is a movie where you put the bike at center for some reason. It's not what I signed up for, but that's what we got. <laughs> don't exploit it further than you have to. I beg you. Con- I don't want content, co- contentless yeah. cycling. At any rate, anyway, carry on. You know they're they're riding around town, and then he drops her off at home. And then when he drives away, we get the click click the headlights. But this, <sighs> you know, all of that supposes that. You know, that cop's got to follow them out of the restaurant. Well, that's why I thought it was Laurie. Right. I thought it was like someone who was watching the Oh, see, I thought this movie was inept enough to not, you know, they want it to be a surprise. Well, two things could be true at the same time. Like, yeah, oh my God. Like, how how would these two kids not see this cop walk out of the restaurant right when they do? 
get in his car. Anyway, so then he follows. Now Corey has kind of cottoned on to the fact that this cop is following him. So he takes him, he leads him to the pipe. The Pipel Myers. Yeah. <laughs> Pipel Myers. And so he goes down, he discovers the old man's body. I don't think we said this, but Corey ha- killed the old man, somehow took his knife away from him. Uh-huh. And kills him. He stuffed him in his tent. The cop <laughs> discovers the tent and then, well, he tries to kidnap him, but the cop throws him down and then he sort of giggle and he giggle runs into the pipe. Hee hee hee. Now, this is, this is one of those cheats. There is no fucking reason for this cop to follow that kid into that no. fucking pipe. No. Because he has just discovered a dead body. He's yeah. a police officer. <laughs> what he wants is Allison in his life. I've just discovered that this kid might have murdered someone. I'll go back and fucking call a friend. Mm-hmm. Bring out the cops and arrest him. But instead, of course, he... Now, all of that is... You know, you know, you know, Mike, it's charming that these are the implausibilities <laughs> that you're drawing attention to. I know, to I know. I was just, Bearing in I mind... I was just about to say that I, <laughs> I realize that I am what can only be described as nitpicking at this point, because we're going to get to something <coughs> sassy in a second. And you know what? In the scene with the low battery mode Michael Myers, where he gets recharged by knife stabs, yes, the cop didn't have to go in the pipe. <laughs> so what is happening here, Tom? I mean, for those, well, I, I just described it. It's low battery mode Michael Myers. Not only is he a footnote, he's incapable of doing Michael Myers yeah. stuff. Also, this cop's got a fucking flashlight. We, we, you know, again, it's all cheats, but you know. The, the filmmaker wants you to see Michael Myers in the corner, but the character can't see Michael Myers in the corner, even though he's clearly in the corner. And speaking of cheats, he's a pure. At this point, he is a like a like a live action video game character. Correct. I mean, you know those you know, games where you have to open up the chest and get the health points. Yeah, instead of being recharged by stabbing, he could have, like, jumped in the air and absorbed a coin. uh, It would have had the same effect. And, Tom, because this movie is going to, at the end, tell us he's not a... Once again, they go back and forth. Is he supernatural or is he fucking not? They say explicitly he is just a man. What the fuck? Then how does he... It's very right. simple. Corey, Corey if Michael holds Myers the lets cop, you live, tells Michael, if Michael to stab Myers him, lets you live, to actually asks him to, to show him how to do it. As if he doesn't know how to stab somebody. He just stabbed somebody 10 minutes ago. But mm-hmm. he says, show me how to do it. Michael stabs him and then <laughs> convulses as though he is being re-energized yeah. into his supernatural self. Yeah. Could he not leave the pipe? Because I, he must leave the pipe, Tom, because that bridge also has a billboard saying this girl is missing. That's clearly a sign of Michael Myers's. Not necessarily, because because apparently everyone who does anything in Haddonfield is true. Maybe under maybe the somebody, some Myers. other piece of shit in the town. I don't know. Fuck. I never thought about whether or not he left the pipe. It's a very good question. It, all of this reminded me of Lenny and Carl in The Simpsons saying, <laughs> <laughs> saying, 
uh, I like, after seeing the latest Bond film, I like that James Bond is ugly now and doesn't do James Bond stuff anymore. <laughs> That's I, That was the first thing I thought of. You got it in. It's like, it's like he's not... <laughs> He's not even. It's like Mike. It's like let Michael Myers be Michael yeah, Myers. Yeah, right. God exactly. We've waited forty fucking minutes to see him, and now we've got like we've got this. Oh, it's got this uncharged Michael Myers. Oh my god. Um. And uh, so yeah, so the new rules something to do with either you if you live one thing happens and if you escape another thing happens. Uh, doesn't need explaining. We don't need to ask these questions. <laughs> the scarecrow mask is now the established as the new Shatner mask. Yes. Uh, once again, this would be great were this going to turn into a spin-off, but we actually have to end the trilogy in the next hour. So <laughs> yes, exactly. It's going to be a problem wrapping this uh-huh. up. That was my uh, thought, exactly. And the scene, the scene where Laura... This is the... Probably my favorite, accidentally my favorite scene in the film. Laurie is trying to describe what's going on in the movie to Lindsay. Yes, right. And her incoherence and Lindsay's confusion has got nothing to do with the characters. It's all because yes. the, you literally cannot explain what is going on in the film at right. this point. Um, they try to show Laurie looking at Corey outside that apes the scene where she's looking outside She's looking at the front of her yard oh, in this movie. She's yes. looking in the backyard in 78. And yet... That's how she knows he's Michael yeah, Myers. Yeah, exactly. That's how she knows he's looked into Michael Myers' eyes. Because she saw him let from... It, let him live from in his From 100 now feet away on the second floor. Um, This was the only... In this scene where, where we see the, the, the father whose child Corey killed... Um, reappears yeah for the first and only time and this was i thought the one and only attempt in the movie to push back on the vindication of mob justice from the last film Mm. because he says they in regards to conspiracy theorists they took my pain my despair despair. yeah about them it was the one scene that i thought (laughs) it was the one scene that i thought was fairly well written something really well acted and then they make another egregious error by instead of just letting the actor tell us, they have to fucking yeah. show us. Yeah. And Corey can't pull it off. Everyone knows, tell not show. Yes. The first rule of God form. fucking damn it. <laughs> it isn't, but in this case it should yeah. have been. Um and I mean and, and also it all falls apart because that father once again would not be in that bar. He wouldn't no, be in yeah. there to tell the story of his chance encounter that just happens to completely confirm Laurie's theory at that right. point. Um, but, and also, that one pushback on Mob Justice is sandwiched between two other pretty heavy vindications that what they did in the last movie was, was great. Nobody mentions that the brutality that Laurie talks about in the opening voiceover was mostly the fault of the mob. Yeah, right. They'd never mention that. And in the end, they go back to a big mob mm-hmm. again. Um... Then Laurie, Laurie's going to follow Corey yeah. to the murder house. I thought mm-hmm. I thought maybe this movie was inept enough to that he was going to explain to her what happened to, for a third time for the audience. 
I really wouldn't put it. I really wouldn't put it past them. But instead, you have this. Uh, what the 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 two cores of the people uh, facing off against each other. You know, they're they don't have to wear their masks with each other. So all of a sudden, Lori is starting to feel like the gun nut Lori again, and Corey is sort of just sort of openly saying, "Yes, I'm the new Michael Myers" to her. Yeah. So much so um, that, again, it's a, nothing but cheating in this movie because Corey would absolutely see her leaving out of his peripheral vision. But <laughs> when when Laurie disappears on him and he goes over to the piano, I swear to God, I thought he was going to play the Halloween theme on that fucking piano. Are they are they playing the are they trying to do that bit from Ghostbusters? I those movies are popular. I don't again? know. Because they do a little, yeah, little, 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 little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was fully prepared for that as well. Um, next, I have... Uh, we go to Do- Dr. Chalice... Sorry, Mathis's yes. house. Um, and now now he's... This is the first the first ever... The debut appearance of the Scarecrow Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's hard to imagine you could see what happened with Kylo Ren in the start... War sequels and still want to do this bit, right? right? <laughs> a copycat mask, where a mask wearing copycat wannabe. Yeah. And the and it's interesting because the film wants you to believe that Scarecrow is Michael's sidekick, when the screenplay is telling us the opposite. Yeah, right. It's like this has all been about Corey to this point. Michael Myers is an adjunct to him. It's not the other way mm-hmm. around. Um, I guess, you know, if you use musical terminology, it's like he's the headliner. Yeah, right, right, right. The Scarecrow Kill is opening for him. You know what I noticed on uh, my second viewing? When, uh, I forget her name, but when the nurse, Deb. Deb, when she hears the noise and comes outside, and of course, like everything in these movies, she should be seeing what she's not seeing, because right mm. to her right, Corey is stabbing the good doctor, but instead mm-hmm. she turns left and is looking at this. But you can, if you look in the in the darkness, you can see Corey stabbing the doctor on a medium <laughs> shot, which she would absolutely hear. But <laughs> it's only ten seconds later when she walks over, sees the flowers, and then turns the light on, and then sees him stabbing. It's an incredibly bad piece of filmmaking. What do you think about hanging Deb from a painting? Uh, because all I all I'm sure of about this is that the filmmakers think it's the best thing they've ever done. Oh yeah, in a Halloween for movie. sure. Uh, I'm a little bit more critical. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought mean, the filmmakers were thinking of themselves as real Van Goghs. Do you think? Hey, do you think that they uh, they padded themselves on the back? Oh Buster yeah, Rhyme style Buster after, Rhyme style, yeah. big time. Um, I mean, I, I guess of you know the the obvious association you make is with objectification and the male gaze mm-hmm. in art. But then what Michael does afterwards kind of shits on that reading a little bit. <laughs> Because he cocks his head yeah, sure. as if he's like, you know, now the cocking of the head is like you're you're a art critic. 
<laughs> taking in the work. They've rephrased that again. And then, you know, we're I sort should of, have had her a couple the... inches lower. We're in a couple yes. <laughs> is, that? is that is that straight? I don't yeah, think that's exactly. straight. Um <laughs> But again, we're in the uncomfortable position of having sex and death together. Yeah, right. As a, as a, as a, as beauty, and I think the film's trying to make that point in a satirical sense, but it sort of plays into the enjoyment of it too much. Okay. Yeah. Am I? Am I? Or is it just shits and giggles? Let's hang someone from a wall in a different yeah, way. Yeah, because to me, it's, you know, you, you got to have one. We've we've had enough of this on a door. Yeah, right. Let's do it on a yeah. painting. And it's like now they're going to have their first fight, too. Corey and, mm-hmm. and, and Michael. They're, he's going to. Well, there's so what, hmm. what there's some a bunch of nonsense between him and Allison about. Oh, by the way, we didn't give a lot of play to this when they were still in that fucking restaurant with the cops because uh-huh. they keep talking about uh, let's burn this town to the ground. And he says, I'll, I'll light the match. There was mm-hmm. no logical leap for Allison to say that. You know? There's no sense of why Allison would react yeah. in any of the ways she's react. And it, it actively goes against the relationship that we've created for her and Laurie for her. Yeah, to... exactly favor this guy over her and and a really shitty reason for her to to then believe laurie over him which is again the happenstance that there's sure there's recorded evidence of her making a that her story is true it's like that's what we needed was her to believe her grandma over this guy she's She's just just met met. (laughs) right yes yeah who is clearly killing a lot of people and not even trying to hide it. Yeah. So, but at any rate, it and, and this movie just earns nothing because Corey is telling Allison that he wants to leave. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't already killing people, I guess I could go along with that. As though, you know, if if in his mind he thought I'm having these terrible thoughts, you could save me so long as we go together and leave right now. I'll be safe. Those around me will be safe. But he's already killing people. And so he's actively pursuing trying to leave with her while simultaneously actively trying to pursue becoming the new Michael Myers, so much so that he Mm -hmm. fights with him in the pipe and takes his mask. And now he's off to the races and going to lure the bullies. The band bullies. Men can't multitask like that. What's that? Men can't multitask like that. Oh, God. You get, you're gonna get a court. Um, this is where have his mom kisses him, yeah, and then Halloween begins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. So we're about twenty minutes from the end of this movie, and finally the Halloween movie starts, which is another thing because they like slam a title card at one point that says October thirty first, uh-huh. and it's you know maybe with a half hour left in the movie. Uh. Speaking to Part the half of the title, by the way, is Halloween. <laughs> Just saying. Speak, speak. Well, no, it's, we were above that. Um, speak, speaking to like how technically bad this film is. A lot of Laurie's voice is done in post. Yeah. It's either voiceover or ADR. And the quality of it's always tinny. And it wasn't just the sound system at the theater. I noticed it both watching it at home and in the theater. Interesting. 
And I was like, this sounds like our early podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> How did this get out into the world? Yeah. Um, and yeah, every like Laurie's, you know, all this kind of pop metaphysics and anthropology, you know, the film, again, insecurity, the film wants to make itself seem more intelligent than it is. Yeah, it right. It just comes across as filler. Mm-hmm. Like it never, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just more killing time. Yeah. <laughs> and no, no one wants, and again, like, you know, I, I, I think it's. I'm not saying you should give the audience what they want in the way that they want it, that some would, mm-hmm. but no one, even me, wants Laurie to be lecturing you on cultural anthropology. <laughs> right. like nobody signed. It's like the bike. No one signed up for that. <laughs> oh, this is where I said, I never want to see the bike again. I didn't sign up for a biker film. There's no reason I should be seeing so much of the bike. And then you see the bike. And then and then we get more yeah. bike. Um I mean so much we, so the we, bullies are gonna wrap the bike up in a chain and try again, you know, th- this kid's friend, they so they follow Corey to the junkyard. They uh-huh. wrap a chain around the bike, they're gonna drag it with their their car, and they send one of the band kids to the car, which is what, twenty feet away? And somehow Corey gets over to the car and sticks a, uh, a drumstick into a kid's eye without these kids hearing anything. Well, this is another meta-better moment for me as yeah. well. And I haven't even seen Hard Target. I can't imagine. I know, right? Oh, you, I forgot about but Hard boy, Target, yeah. But boy, but boy, did I wish I was watching yep. it. <laughs> And also, I was I, with I became that jealous that someone was watching it with headphones. Yeah, on, exactly. Because I was like, I could actually drown out this yeah. film <laughs> if I was in the movie. Uh, yeah, and again, like you know, using the threat of serial killers as justification for self-arming and gun violence. Like we go to the guns so right. quickly. This is such an irresponsible series. To Stepdad be hands a gun, a, hands a, a, a rifle a to the lead gun band in this country. What's that? It's such an irresponsible series to make in this fashion at a time when gun violence is, you know, is kind of tearing the country apart. Stuff like this really doesn't help. Agreed. And it's totally unnecessary. Like, it it is is just posturing, right? It's because it doesn't add to the horror or suspense or anything. No, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Ron, the possible stepdad of, uh, (laughs) of Corey, um... He gets killed in an Oedipal fashion yeah. by Corey. Uh, well, so not technically like, by like, Corey, but by band bully number um, one. But like I was just, just oh, that's right. Like what I was just gonna say is defending Corey. Is the yes, stepdad right. literally hands that kid a rifle, but says, "Stay here." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So either have him just stay there, or have him come with you with a rifle. <laughs> Which the kid does anyway, also, and then it, ends up shooting him. By the way, that kid who also, shoots him runs right past him as if it doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you think that if you saw you were you were in a precarious situation and you saw someone behind the person who was trying to rescue you uh, about to be attacked? Do you think you'd choose the words 
You're Dead 2? Yeah, no. <laughs> you probably say, get out of the way, someone's about to kill you. <laughs> and it's another line that is just there, probably for the trailer, right? I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know. But I don't know that it was like, in the trailer. I'm not sure. It's like maybe it was earmarked for this would be a good kind yeah. of catchphrase moment. But it's um, not. No. We're, we're making progress in the at this point because Michael Myers' is, mask is in Laurie's house. Mm-hmm. It's not Michael in no. it yet. But the, at least the mask yes, is there. Yes, right. Um, oh, no, sorry, not in Laurie's house. In the in the house of the mother. And again, we're reenacting that scene from Halloween 2. Again! Mm-hmm. How many times have we seen this? This callback. Yeah. The old lady watching TV, getting the knife from the drawer. Sometimes there's a husband, sometimes there's not. <laughs> sometimes it's a baby, sometimes it's a husband. Right. Um, and then the disc jockey gets it, Willie gets and it. And then the disc jockey, what do you think of this whole sequence? Well, it was clearly uh, presented to be the I guess what they would call the funnest kill yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh visual humor. Yeah, visu- right? visual the horror humor. On a turntable. Yeah. Uh again, entirely reverse engineered. Uh and we have to also believe that again, you have to presume that sense of humor of the person doing it as mm-hmm. well. So there's a lot of cognitive yeah. uh um work to do. Um and clearly, you know, as we said before, they're trying to make out that Willie, the kid, is sort of a, is like uh, Alex Jones meets K. Billy Super yeah, Seventies. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Well, what and the there. funny thing too is that narratively we have to go there because Alice, because the characters aren't well written enough that Allison would believe her grandma, so she has to drive away from the house and see the uh, tower on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before she turns back to decide to go help Grandma, and she's watching that diner door like Tony Soprano. In yeah, the she is. Yeah, is that is that deliberate? Oh, I don't think so. Is is that their way of apologizing for a, a non-ending? I don't think so. By referring to I one don't of the most they, hated God, I don't think TV they series endings, it really looked like it. <laughs> it's the same exact shot, and I know my Sopranos. <laughs> Either way. If I was going to reference an episode of Sopranos, it wouldn't be that one. <laughs> if I was trying to get people on my side. <laughs> it's divisive, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Laurie's drinking again. Yeah, but it, is um, it all a ruse? Oh, you think even the drinking is I a don't ruse? know. No, I don't know either. <laughs> the movie's not telling you us. You tell me that? No, the movie's not telling us. Well, certainly it doesn't look that destructive. Yeah, right. right. Just looks like she's enjoying a nice Yeah, exactly. Drink. Which is the opposite, I think, of what they're going for. I mean, she does drink it like a thirsty dog yeah. again, but you know, she's locked in. She's a she's an even less uh, convincing alcoholic than Sue Ellen in Dallas. <laughs> I think she's like the, it's not how alcoholics. It's like because the thing about being an alcoholic is there's always more alcohol. Sure. <laughs> um, but so and you know, I... and the, you're right. The film is lying to us about. What's going on with Laurie, which really doesn't Yeah, help. exactly. You're right. That's what it's I was telling just us that say. she's suicidal and it's all and a it's ruse. And it's all a ruse, but that's just for the audience. And, you know, once again, treating suicide as a plot as point. As a plot point. 
Not only that, but... Which the last movie did, and I think this is just as offensive. Yeah, me too. Uh, to people who have suicidal tendencies or are considering suicide, to have it as this kind of way of... Uh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't even work as a ruse. No, not really, but... Why would he react in the way he did after she killed herself? By Well, he just opens the door. Right, but why wouldn't he do that before she killed herself, if he's going to kill her? Well, that's the thing, is the char the character of Laurie seems to know exactly how long he's going to take to get into the room. Hmm. Because the movie needs her to. That's that's it. I mean, that's, that's all we got. Also, it's also not well executed, because... I, I, you know, I'd like to take a poll of that audience. I'd like to stop the film after the splatter on the wall and say, okay, who thinks it's pumpkin? Yeah, right. And exactly. literally everyone, everyone will put their hands up. Who thinks it's brain? And it'd be like, hands, mole man. That'd be it. <laughs> I was saying burns. Um, <laughs> but also that means that she walked past the door, you know, out of his line of vision, then leaned over, picked up a pumpkin, held it in her hand, <laughs> held the gun to the pumpkin, yeah. shot through the pumpkin. I mean, that's... Yeah. A... Once again, you sound you sound like Jim Garrison again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely just, right. Was... I'm just saying. The magic pumpkin that's theory. That's what physically happened. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's... Yeah. Well, and we at least know... <laughs> at least we know Laurie consistently lives in the real world. Right, yes. Michael Myers darts back, back and, and forth, forth between the, right, the other right, realm, right. But, but she is of the real well, world. Well, of course, he goes into uh, the room, I'm... and this is where the audience uh, gets to find out what they were right about, which is that she's not dead and not suicidal. And she puts yeah. a couple bullets in him, and he falls down the stairs. And then, of course, you know, she's going to walk down the stairs like vigilante Laurie, mm -hmm. and... The characterization of this char of Laurie Strode is so terrible in this movie that she literally leaps yeah, back and forth between Grandma and Vigilante in spans of 10 seconds. And the worst part of it is, part of me wonders, this is looking ahead a little bit, but this that's what this movie does. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether the Grandma stuff was really so she could have a knitting needle in her hand yeah, right. at the right moment of the yeah, film. Yeah, maybe. Like, I wonder whether it was that stupid. You're absolutely right. It's completely inconsistent. She shoots him. Um, he goes over the rail. She's slowly walking towards him. For whatever reason, she now is genuinely suicidal because she puts her last two bullets in the wall and tells him to that he came here to kill her, so go ahead and do it. And this is the thing about... And then he hears Allison's car come up, so he puts his own knife in his neck. Which, again, she... wouldn't... Doesn't convince anyone of anything yeah, right. other than it happened except unless well, you know unless you're caught at the exact moment you know north by northwest yeah exactly style, which they, the knife which they try to the do because laurie makes the inexplicable choice of trying to take it out of his neck she doesn't have to do that no um so and again like the movie is treating mercy and compassion as something that is a bad yeah, thing yeah right and that will lead to your death mm -hmm. if you employ it. Which, again, is a terrible message to send. Also, I don't have a lot of faith in the Haddonfield police because she makes that suicide call. Then, uh, in in the intervening time, she slowly walks downstairs, 
chats with Corey for a bit. He stabs himself in the neck. She takes the knife out. Andy comes home, blames her for killing him, starts driving away, and then comes back to save her from Michael mm-hmm. Myers, all before the cops... In midair, mind you. <laughs> yeah, all before the cops show up. Good grief. Also, the, so so here here was my... He, this is like the, my big note for the movie, which sort of ties the series together. Yes, please, go ahead. This is, this movie is a is the mirror image of Halloween Resurrection. That's interesting, because what we have instead of having a fifteen minute short, yeah, right, that's yes. then followed by a You're standalone right. feature. Oh my God. We have a standalone feature that ends with a, with 15, a fifteen minute, minute short. Because this scene, the scene that happens now between Michael Myers and Laurie is completely standalone. Yes. It's its own movie in the same way that the first 15 minutes of Halloween Resurrection was. It's even the same. And that 15 minutes is even kind of the same idea. Yeah, right. She's she 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 draws Michael in to turn the tables on him. And it, but she, I have a note that she does a she, total. She kills him instead of he. Yeah, she her. does a total H2O thing again, though, by grabbing the fire extinguisher. Yeah. Um, So that was my. You know, and I, 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 the first thing I thought was like, well, all of those, all, those of you who had, you know, put Halloween Resurrection to the bottom of your lists, this is no better. Yeah. You want to poke the narrative problems of that movie, you've got to do the same with this one. You want to know something uh, funny? What? All right, I watched this movie on Thursday. Didn't happen in this movie. I, I watched, <laughs> I watched this movie on Thursday, and I watched yeah. this movie on Monday night. From Mm -hmm. Thursday to Monday night, I had forgotten that Michael Myers kills Corey. Yeah. I only remember that he stabbed himself in the neck. I mean, but that's the thing. At that point. And why does he kill him? Just to get the mask back? Why does Michael kill Corey? But again, it's working across. Screenplay's working across purposes. Because he dies in a manner that suggests that he's the footnote. Right, and he's not. And the proxy for getting Michael Myers in the movie, but the screenplay tells the opposite story, which is Michael is the proxy for him, because this is his movie. This is his movie. This is his story. I've got to say at this point, I know I keep making this point. Go ahead. There is is not a prop in this movie that isn't set up. The microwave. That pointless scene earlier... With the, I can't get the microwave to work. And now it's, 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 that's just to tell you there's a microwave in the room so we can do this, do this, um, you know. I got to uh, tell you, if you're. Pulp if, Fiction. Yeah, right. Toaster. Toaster uh, bit. Strudel. Because yeah. if you're trying to lure Michael Myers, it's Again, not like production. she already has the fire extinguisher in her hand. You know what I mean? It feels like she's flying by the seat of her pants, but the microwave would suggest that she has a plan. And the plan is wait yeah. for food to explode. No, it's just a, it's an erratic microwave. It could go off at any Ugh, time. Oh, man. Uh, and I, but but I, th- this is the thing. Like, I really like the first time I saw the microwave scene, <laughs> I was like, she keeps saying it's not on. I can't get this thing to turn on. And I was like, yeah, but I can see the time. Yeah. It on the is digital dis- on. on the clock display, it is on, 
And then, you know, the second time I saw it, it's red. What she means is, it's not working. You have to unplug it and replug it. And I thought, so part of me is like, well, that's just, that's a pointless yeah. scene, right? But I actually prefer it being a pointless bit of business yes. than it being the setup to the finale. Yeah, right. Because um, we all know how microwaves uh, work. <laughs> just Also, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I feel like I'm flogging a dead horse when it comes to the originality of these films, yeah. but Kitchen Fight, again? Yeah. Nothing we haven't seen in previous films. And nothing has changed since. It's middle-aged fisticuffs mm-hmm. again. There's a... There's, and garbage disposal from H2O. I know. I, I made the same <laughs> a, note. A, a I couldn't back, believe it. A callback that shows that, you know, a callback to H2O that shows that they missed the point of that completely. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the knitting needle, which you know was just, in, you know, you saw her knitting earlier. And obviously that's tied up with the original movie. Right. Um, but I mean, we're going to get... But it's also, it's, it's in, like, it, we have to see a knitting... Yeah. In the movie, because apparently that's better than just. But it's also it filmed sake. poorly because. Oh yeah. That that needle should be inside her brain the way the way it's filmed, but. We're not doing that, and then I forget. I I, I can't. She also hits him with a frying pan yeah. again. It's like, can we have non-comedic kitchen items only, please? <laughs> Also, the only his, moment his, I really his... did like was when she threw the refrigerator oh. on him after like actually getting him stabbed. Oh. Oh, I kind of like that. Like it made at least it was a good bit of, I'll say, acting from Jamie Lee Curtis. It seemed I like that. OK, I have a question for you. I like that you like yeah. that. Do you want me to ruin it for you? For yeah, that? go ahead. Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. I cannot yeah. I'm say excited. it out loud. But you will never be able to unsee this. Go. When the fridge collapses on him, the shot makes it look like it falls on his erection, not his leg. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> You'll ne- if you catch that, catch the light that way, you will never unsee it. <laughs> I've seen it twice now, and both times it was his big erection <laughs> that it fell on. <laughs> But I really don't want to ruin the only thing you liked about this film. <laughs> that's great. And he's a man again. Uh, so that's been yeah, respond. Yeah, he's a said. person again. We're going to stab him in the hands. We're going to slit his throat. Stab him in the hands. I know. It's so stupid. It's dumb. You say it out loud. It's so stupid. Uh, another recap montage as well. The second in this mm-hmm. film. Um, this one is... As if it's life flashing before her eyes. Is yeah, that the kind of concept. Well, and again, excuse? she's fighting for her life, and then once he takes his ripped hand through the knife and puts it around her throat, she says, "Do it, do it." So now she's suicidal again. This woman goes from vigilante to grandma suicidal, back and forth like four times in this last scene. What the fuck? Wow. Yeah. Um, it's because they're trying to do a whole movie in 15 minutes. Yeah, that's true. Complete with an H two O hand reach out. Yeah, so it's not it's not even a character arc. It's a character triangle because you got to do it so quickly. <laughs> Followed by, um, can we talk about this displaying of the body? 
and well, the funeral procession. I just want to say, I'm glad Frank arrived. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been there to contribute absolutely nothing to the scene. Yeah, that's right. It's so grateful he got there. <laughs> Get out of the at way. The Don't end. go in there. Get out of at my way. Very, at the 11th hour, he came in and did absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I can't imagine that scene without he him. He does thank her at the end for that. <laughs> well, again, like, you know, the, the movie's like desperate to have as many characters be in every movie yeah, in the trilogy right. as possible. So we get we get the um we get Julian the, the Julian's the back the the Marsh well the Julian the Marshall yeah. who Sam Jackson's uh the movie <laughs> right. let's say it is tonight. Yeah. Um again glossing over the vindication of mob, mob justice. Mob, yeah exactly. Um and then the image of the mob putting him into the crusher. Into the meat grinder. Or, the, yeah, not the meat grinder, but the what would become I mean, the like, meat grinder. It tells me they've learned nothing. No lessons in this town. No lessons are learned. <laughs> well, no lessons on the filmmaker's part about being responsible for how you show Certainly not. mobs. Uh, I guess Michael being pulped is even more definitive than a decapitation. Yeah. There's, there's no way... <laughs> Unless that's a poor EMT worker in there. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe the idea is it's been like one of the firefighters from Halloween Kills all along. Yeah. But he's had like a knife glued to his hand. Right. His mask glued to his face. So just every time anyone comes at him, he, he has to kill. Um, uh, and yeah, and also dialogue, uh, um, voiceover. We- you know, it's the third time, so we got to finish with some voiceover. And this is like the worst writing of the three writings. This is the worst. Fuck. Also, also, it it every single one of the, the every time we see her writing the book, it seems like she's finishing the book. Yeah, exactly. You're right. <laughs> is she just rewriting the same paragraph? I don't know. This is the this is her revisions. Because if you're gonna, you know, just a not, just you know, a note to screenwriters out there: if you're gonna have like someone writing a book in a film, it, it should feel like a book, right? It should feel like it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Not that she's continually right. rewriting. Because this the last voiceover sentence. comes at the beginning, the middle, and the end of the movie. So and it's the oh, and it's the end. Just a thought. This should be the end. Um, All right, I, I'm kind of, I, 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 I'm done. I'm done with this movie. Well, I've got to mention chain, evil changes shape. Oh, evil yeah. Evil doesn't something, something, it changes shape. Uh, You're right. Which is exactly how that it is my last described note. in the writer's room. Um, so having retconned him back to being a real world killer, they're hanging on to this idea that he's just this evil soul floating around in the ether mm-hmm. again. Um, Waiting to infect so somebody we, else. Yeah, so, so someone out there should calculate how many times in this trilogy the idea of what Michael Myers is is retconned. Yeah. It's got to be a good six. Um, and we end on the shots of the empty house, you know. With the mask on the coffee is, table. But they're trying the to callback. ape the end of the original yeah. Halloween with the, you know. Right. Blue Oyster yeah. Cult. I mean, that's not the ending of the film, but... Can you imagine if the original Halloween had Don't Feel the Reaper at the end instead of as a piece of diegetic music in the movie? Uh, 
John well, Carpenter. I can't had imagine good it. Sense. That's what Halloween ends. <laughs> Fuck. But you, you know, in 1978, you could never imagine that someone would reuse it in yeah. that way, right? You, you God, after talking it. about this movie, <laughs> no, I'm still gonna say it's no. It's not as bad as Halloween, Halloween Kills. Because you're gonna hear about the Halloween Kills episode. You're gonna be going. This really yeah. is exceptionally. But like I said, not significantly better. No, 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 no. Um, it's close. It's very. It's closer than I think I ever expected it. Way closer be. than it ever should have been. Than it ever should have been. But again, it's not long enough to to shed those bad habits. No, yeah. I don't think. You got a uh, uh, credit I, check. Yeah, I a very a very short one, which I, I think I think everyone, including us, will be. Yeah, I'm for. fine with that. Um. Visual effects by Crafty Apes. Um, my assumption would have been that they were also responsible for the cr- screenplay of yeah, those right. same apes. <laughs> Let's put our Crafty Apes on this one. Maybe uh, an infinite number of Crafty Apes <laughs> with an infinite number of typewriters. I'm, I'm being reminded of another Simpsons episode. You know what this should should have been? It should have been... Danny McBride, David Gordon Green, or whoever that third guy is, saying so. Well, and there's more this yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, them pitching the idea of this movie, and then the super smart ape that came back from outer space saying, "No, I don't think we'll be doing that." And then roller skating yeah. out of the room. Well, that's Harvey Weinstein. So that analogy is. <laughs> <laughs> There's a finale unit. Is this an industry term, or did they literally mean oh, I have... a totally different group of people filmed the finale, yeah. separate from the film? Oh, is that because you said that it was reshot? Maybe. <gasps> That's what it yeah. is. But again, it feeds into the idea that this is a 15-minute movie grafted uh, on to a standalone, a standalone movie. I Even love that you scenes, came up with that. That, 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 that. that is remarkable, that this movie mirrors Resurrection. <laughs> Well, this is, you know, when you look at films through the prism that we do, you have these unexpected, yeah. you make these unexpected connections. And it's like, I would have never thought about Halloween Resurrection yeah. had we not just watched and talked about it sure. so recently. But that's exactly, it's just as disjointed. And yet no one's probably going to go out there and saying as disjointed as Halloween yeah, Resurrection. Yeah, right. Nobody's going to make that connection. Um, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish on a positive oh. note. I don't know how. This, is... <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, this is, I mean, you know, this is probably the best soundtrack to a Halloween movie we've had for a while. Yeah, actually. It's got yeah. nothing to do with the score. No, yeah. It's all about this, the the, uh, the jukebox soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, the retro stylings of the movie are... Th- this is their payoff, right? This is the only payoff they had that... Instead of listening to, let's say, Creed, mm-hmm. you're listening to "I Was a Teenage Werewolf" by The Crowns, one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite there bands, and like, you know, I'm not happy. It doesn't work. Like, none of it works. I'm not saying it works in the movie. <laughs> it is right, but at least I, you know, at least I don't have to listen to Creed or something. I do not that disagree. I enjoy, yeah, yeah, but, um. So I'm glad that I'm glad that I can say that at the end of all of this, because this movie. But you get the blue oyster cult. You know, the funny thing is, is 
I mean, it's in the kind of, it's in that shopping scene with Frank as a, as an instrumental. That's right, it is. Yeah. And then it comes in hard, of course, at the end of this movie, ends, and then (laughs) we get that. And, uh, but it, it also is derivative because that's how Frighteners ends. With that same song. You are fucking kidding no, me. No, yeah. I was neutral on that until yeah. now. Fuck them. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. Go do something original. God damn it. That's fucking Peter Jackson. Yeah. He's got enough power in the industry to fucking... <laughs> Turn you off like a light bulb if you wanted to. <laughs> All right, Fucking idiots. You've got to know who to steal from, but you know, you've also got to know when, when, <laughs> when not to steal. Yes, exactly. To paraphrase Mel Brooks. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. Your Halloween finally <laughs> ends. You're gonna have to tell us what you think. I saw a post from a friend, Richard Taylor. He said, uh, of the three, he liked this one the most. I got to have a chat with him at some point because I don't know why. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, I think I think the, he must if, have appreciated not, not that they the, were trying to do something different, but they did it so ineptly that I, I can't get on board. Uh, so you're going to have to tell us what you think, everyone. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Well, when you hear us next, we're going to try to pitch a sequel to this mess. So look forward to that. Yeah, something we have argued definitively should no no longer be done by anyone. Well, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Tom, what do you got for him? Boys who keep secrets don't get custard for dessert. (laughs) Another example of stunning comedy from this film. It wouldn't even hurt a fly. (laughs) All right, everyone. Until next time, thanks for listening.